ha- hello, happy Valentine's Day to all who celebrate yeah, and who to all the <laughs> observe the Lord's Day. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, Saint Valentine. And today we are watching um, what I understand to be a, a special Valentine's uh, animism for for you guys, uh, which I've seen some of the show, but not enough to really know much about it. So, hmm. uh, Nolan, introduce us to today's uh, viewing. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, so this is uh, the first movie that was made in connection with the series Neon Genesis Evangelion. Um, this is a seminal piece of anime. It is uh, one of the most uh, referred to and uh, uh, seen as the pinnacle of this era of uh, mech fighting. You know, uh, it took the action of uh, series like Gundam and sort of the the, uh, approach to uh, uh, having uh, there be this like... uh, super liminal space where the actual conflict in the story takes place and then having a uh, terrestrial sort of world where uh, we get to know the characters and the motivations for mm-hmm. why these these insane combats are happening. Um, yeah, took that kind of perspective and merged it with a coming-of-age tale uh, about our main character, Shinji. I, w- I don't want to give too much away because we will be have This will be a, a pretty... Uh, complete experience just seeing this first uh, film. Yeah. It was kind of made in, uh, we were talking about this earlier, a little bit in spite of the ending of the first series, which was, uh, uh, came to mixed reviews, I think generally uh, disliked by people who didn't understand the uh, uh, intention of the series to begin with. Right. Um, It's a very, uh, everything is is metaphor that Mm -hmm. we're going to see. There's not a uh, a set piece or a character that is just there for you know shits and giggles like you might find in some other anime. Uh, it is all very pointed, trying to tell a story about how we uh, develop our, our sense of self, the uh, essential problem of being born into and uh, at best ambivalent world and at worst uh, completely antagonistic one and how the dis- the only decision worth making in life is to take part and take the reins of the lot that you've been given and uh, try to make things the best for the people that you care about. Hmm. Um, a lesson that Shinji just refuses to learn, as many young men uh, <laughs> do. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, uh, that being said... Uh, it is fucking fun to watch, and if you were just putting blinders on to any of the metaphor, you'd still have a good time watching the series because, like I said, there's a bunch of badass fucking mech fights, right? Um, and just a, a lot of cool world building that uh, and an aesthetic that has uh, been uh, rarely touched, and and uh, it it takes a, a lot of these like uh, Christian themes and uh, iconography and sort of blends them into this futurist sci-fi dystopian uh telling of humanity's last grasp at survival um so yeah uh so like i'm pumped for this i'm super psyched we're watching this cool um i don't know what what to be but i will be what i'm supposed to be i suppose as (laughs) as we watch the watch the movie so like the you said the end of the series like Leans hard into th- into things and people were like disappointed by well, the lack of yeah it mech takes fights and yeah and such it takes a step away from 
what we've seen to be the general thrust of the conflict. Mm-hmm. And instead of focusing on, like I said, this like super liminal space where we're having these mechs fight to to uh, move the story forward, we're having this this uh, this entirely overblown uh, level of conflict to connect to like humanity's feelings of of uh, desperate need for survival. So um, it's like if uh, t- to use language our audience will understand. It's like if the last like instead of being some big fight with the overarching season villain or whatever, if the last three episodes of this season were just Matt and TK in th- in therapy talking about their their parents well, kind of kind of thing. A little bit like that. It's more like if at uh, the twelfth round of a uh, boxing championship match, the two fighters had decided instead to vogue at each other and <laughs> okay. to to demonstrate their conflict, and uh, we retreated into uh, the inside of their minds, uh, and them, along with the rest of the audience, all melded together into a single mind mm. that was finally able to accept itself and uh, uh, you know its place in its own destruction and uh uh you know its exigence really oh fun fun stuff yeah <laughs> i i personally think the kevin finnerty saga is essential to understanding tony soprano so i'm yeah. good with that oh yeah man you'd yeah. be surprised when people s- consider those like those episodes like Wasteful and filler. I heard somebody say that they hated the dream episodes the worst. Like, yeah. they thought the dream episodes were the worst part of The Sopranos. Right. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like, even just, like, in terms of watching them, they're the most fun. It's yeah. the most, like, surreal, strange mm-hmm. experience. The, like, the the random distance that all the characters are in and how nobody's, like, really facing each other. Like, transitions don't make sense. It's exactly, like, how a dream feels. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But yeah, uh, we're we're gonna see a, a little bit of that. This will be a more straightforward tale um, than this the actual series was. And yes, if there weren't already like six Sopranos podcasts, half of them being done by like actors and creators on the show, we yeah. would be talking about <laughs> yeah, that. But that is sure. well covered ground at this <laughs> point. But this isn't, as far as I I know. So we're gonna go talk about that, and uh, we'll be back with a uh, Valentine's card full of our thoughts on it. So we'll be back in just a minute. All right, and welcome back. Yes. Uh, 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 well, full disclosure, yeah. we are <laughs> much like the uh, end of the uh, uh, first series of Neon Genesis Evangelion uh, that was retconned at the end <laughs> to, for yeah. the creation of uh, end of Evangelion. Uh, <laughs> our, so too did we lose the latter half of our uh, uh, episode here and are having to reconstitute it yeah, in s- much more uh, divisive terms. Right. <laughs> yeah, so we got probably, I don't know, like three quarters of the way through. I f- feel like we were like close, getting close to like the conclusion yeah. last time. And then... Uh, blue balled. Yeah, we just got, just got blue balled and everything but the intro got deleted. So we're going to try to rehash the conversation, but if things seem a bit forced... Um, that's why. Yeah. So the script is a is not as fresh as it was. <laughs> Which, by the way, all of our episodes are scripted. Right. One hundred percent. Every moment, even the overlapping dialogue, that's all just us being geniuses. Exactly. So, uh, if you if you go to a patreon.com slash indie carnival, you can get access to uh, a parallel dimension where it didn't get fucked up, and you can get our genuine conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This. Uh, 
this this is a promise that we have. Um, but uh, so we are. I guess it's yeah. It's been a been a week. So hope hoping that um enough time has passed that that it will be this conversation will be as genuine as possible as we go through yeah. this um this movie. So this mind fuck this this mind fuck of a film. This mind film. <laughs> yeah, uh, first, uh, just a little a little housekeeping stuff, just in case you were wondering about who, if you've seen this piece or if you uh, are just a fan of, the, of this type of anime in general, just a little bit of housekeeping here at the beginning, just so you know who we're dealing with, what kind of uh, stuff's going on. Um, so, like, first of all, let's the title, Neon Genesis Evangelion, mm-hmm. already evocative of like Christian themes and stuff yeah. like that. Apparently in Greek, the translation is literally new beginning gospel. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's, that's pretty much exactly what's going on here. Like we, we'll see throughout this uh, discussion themes of, you know, like Christian rebirth mm-hmm. and uh, revival and, you know, like Kabbalah mysticism. Right. Um, there's also a thing about the tree of Sephiroth, which I had not known of until researching this movie mm-hmm. and it provides a lot of the like context for the imagery of a lot of the later half of the of the film mm-hmm. um which we, we can talk about that a little bit i still don't know much but it just in t- if you are interested in where any of those images are coming from you can you can look uh, into that the uh the tree of sephiroth that is um yeah uh neon genesis evangelion was a 26 episode uh uh anime that aired in uh, 1996 and it was written by uh, a man named hideaki ano um well known for his uh contributions to animation and anime in general uh worked closely with uh, miyazaki on nausicaa valley of the wind uh he was instrumental apparently in the uh like final set pieces of that film where a lot of the action takes place. And I think you can see a lot of his influence in, uh, uh, in that movie as we like see, uh, sort of the art direction and the, the content of the, uh, uh, film that we're talking about today. Uh, but yeah, it was also, uh, animated by Gainax and, uh, production IG, two of the, uh, 15, uh, title crawls that yeah. we see in, yeah, for sure. in, <laughs> in the intro here or credits rather. Um, uh, in your, in your research is the tree of Sephiroth, is it distinct from the tree of life? Cause that's what's coming up in. Yeah. I think it, it's the same thing. I think okay, it's like so a, yeah. a, a similar thing at least. We see that, uh, like we, the, um, the fucking, the Eva is like the nerve. Yeah. yeah. They, they make that, they make that symbol, yeah. yeah, at the in the climax. But before before we get there, yeah, yeah, of course, uh, yeah. End of Evangelion is uh, basically a retelling of the twenty fifth and twenty sixth episodes of the anime, which were controversial whenever they were released due to them being more told in a sort of poetic, uh, image based uh, clip show, basically, right. uh, rather than. Uh, a an action anime as mm-hmm. we had like come to expect from the first 24 episodes um it is uh, as we'll talk about later it's a little bit of a critique of the audience that uh was unable to parse the final two episodes of of uh, evangelion and uh it was released in 1997 on july 19th um so yeah it's this is 
sort of a um, self-referential piece as, uh, in addition to being a conclusion to the previous film that was uh, released, uh, Re- uh, Rebirth, Rebuild, if that's the uh, subtitle, I can't remember. But There's Death and Rebirth, also yeah, apparently death known as Death yeah. True. Parenthetical yeah. or true squared. Um, so is yeah. I mean that, that's that is a different. That's a re-release of the of the first. Okay, but it is telling the same story. It's got just you. A okay, of got the, you. Yeah. Um, so is um is the the film end? Is it in tone with the show? Because it's pretty yes. abstracted itself. Or is it like okay? The uh, I was wondering if it like struck a synthesis between the last. Two episodes. I, w- and I would say that that is more true than it being like a one-to-one connection to the to the series. Mm-hmm. It is more of a uh, compromise between the like dream sequences that ended the the series right. and that are like interspersed throughout that kind of have this this you know uh, uh, poetic uh, visual language um, and the actual like action set pieces that are in like the just the mundane plot of the right. of the. Of the tale, and uh, as such, we've basically got two ovas that the movie takes place uh, during. One uh, that is supposed to represent the 25th episode of the anime, and it's kind of a uh, culmination of all of the like action and uh, like material that the the series was. Um, and then the second episode, which kind of deals with the more esoteric themes and resolves the uh, internal conflict that our main character Shinji is uh, uh, sort of, uh, you know, at, at the behest of. Right. So uh, I guess to, st- to start, well, we, we begin with, um, with a few moments of just really beautiful and tone-setting cinematography like very uh especially coming into this blind very abstract images a lot of still motion um and just kind of setting a tone for the piece and after a few minutes of of that we find our hero uh doing a a lot of load-bearing for that sentence (laughs) but uh, we find shinji in uh asuka's Ho- or hospital room yeah. with her uh, incapacitated. Yeah, as we had uh, seen in the series, uh, or if you had watched the previous movie, Asuka had been terribly injured in her last uh, attempt to pilot her Eva, the uh, the Eva Mark II, or Zero Two. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, Asuka, uh, despite being a much more talented Eva pilot than uh, Shinji, uh, yeah, was was very injured, and this causes Shinji to have feelings of guilt. We see him uh, pleading with Asuka's unconscious body to help him, yeah. uh, despite her, you know, having no ability to do that. Um, and in doing so, he's he's pulling on her shoulder, and uh, uh, accidentally, or maybe inadvertently, subconsciously even, uh, pulls her onto her side, exposing her breast and detaching her for a little bit of the machinery. Showing that, like, not only is he willing to expose her vulnerability and compromise her health uh, to try and, like, in in desperation, receive some kind of solace from her, uh, he also is struck with her physical form and Mm -hmm. uh, has these conflicted feelings of sexual attraction, which he can only express through masturbation. Uh, Then we see uh, his, you know, his, his... his load in his hand and he is uh you know not only 
uh, guilt-stricken with his his conduct leading to Asuka's injury, but also with his inability to express his uh, sexual desire towards her while she's conscious, um, and also just his feelings of being perverse. Right. That, like, his his sexual desire is somehow belying his actual intent, which is not true. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, very complicated emotional scene there. We see that, like, you know, Shinji is... Is he's desperate? We that's kind of like the the main tone we're supposed to get out of that is like Asuka is incapable of giving Shinji what he's asking for just based off of like the uh you know the consequences of her being a like vulnerable and weak person but on her own like merits just to you know the way we all are vulnerable to to injury and disease and are not perfect but uh, shinji yeah <laughs> shinji is still uh you know trying to 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 rest out of her trying to just like get this this he wants her to to help him what how's he phrasing it i can't remember what the phrase he's using is but he's just like i i need your help he's just saying over and over again yeah like, i can't remember either yeah um but yeah, she's obviously incapable of giving him whatever he he needs. Um, uh, then we move on to the next scene. I think it's the beginning of the attack on Nerve, right? Yeah, we, there's um, a brief little vignette of uh, Carmen Sandiyemo. What's her name again? Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, Masato. Yeah, that's a Masato. great way to put it. She's awesome. Uh, uh, her and her major co- Masato. It's her and her car. Um, her badass uh, red sports car, which is yeah. featured heavily in the series. It's kind uh, of like a... Intercut with, um, I guess, the Human instru- Instrumentality Project, or whatever it's called. Um, a SEAL? Ha- maybe. there's So, the Human Instrumentality Project is the uh it is the goal of nerve it is the like clandestine goal of gendo shinji's father um to basically reduce humanity into uh one collective mind uh which we will see represented later on in the film by everybody turning into orange juice basically um (laughs) uh with some pulp (laughs) so uh but yeah the seal is um the uh is an international uh secretive organization that Gendo is a part of that is sort of holding these these twin um uh desires in hand these these two goals which are to uh on the face preserve uh humanity uh through you know combating these angels which have uh descended onto earth to to cause the apocalypse um and to conduct the human instrumentality project mm-hmm. in secret. Um, so yes, uh, and then yeah, and then it seems the uh, the attack begins mm-hmm. um, as planned. Yeah. Oh, what's her name? Um, trying to see what. Uh, Kagi. Kagi wakes up. Yes. And uh, someone is hacking into the Magi. So let's go into what are the the Magi. Okay. So in in uh, this is another reference, sort of to the uh, Tree of Life again. Mm-hmm. We noticed that the uh, 
the uh, conspicuous design of the Magi whenever it's shown in like visual technical language mm-hmm. is very reminiscent again of like the Tree of Life or or the uh, uh, Tree of Sephiroth. Um, and uh, it is uh, basically a uh, construct used to uh, as like a defense program. It is uh, not only the like uh, distilled consciousness and mind of uh, Akagi's mother. Uh, Ritsuko is her first name, by the way, or mm-hmm. her, her non-surname. Um, uh, uh, who was previously in a loving relationship with Gendo. Um, she decided to sacrifice herself in a similar way that Shinji's mother did to uh, keep the to keep Nerve alive, to keep uh, the Human Instrumentality Project moving along. Um, yes, and uh, yeah, Ritsuko is uh, the only person who can operate the Magi system. She basically inherited the knowledge of its inner workings from her mother, and uh, is yeah uh, uh, relieved from her. Uh, captivity, I think. Uh, was she was she in in prisons? Because um, I think that's where we first see her is is her in a containment cell. I believe so. Yeah, I think um, she had already expressed. At even the at the time, it seemed kind of like obscure what was really going on. At least just yeah. having seen, just going into this blind. But yeah, right. Um, if I if I remember correctly, she had unearthed the the secret origin of Ray's birth and cloning uh, at the end of <laughs> the uh, numbered episodes of the of the series, or at the end of uh, twenty four. Mm-hmm. Um, by that time, she I think had uncovered the fact that Ray was a uh, was a clone, and that she was basically being like reloaded every time that her her body failed her. Um, just so that she could pilot the uh, uh, Unit Zero uh, Evangelion. And so she still is the only person that can uh, defend the Magi from this um, uh, sort of uh, viral attack that uh, uh, is being uh, conducted on Nerve by Seal. And uh, she uh, she succeeds uh, uh, eventually in... uh, Holding off the uh, intrusive, uh, you know, uh, computer virus mm-hmm. and defends uh, Magi. Um. So yeah, all that shit is is going down, and um, Masato, I believe, is the one who says that they have to get uh, Asuka into uh into her Eva, even though she is incapacitated, she can't yeah. pilot it. Uh, they don't the put her in when she's going to die, basically. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, because yeah, if uh, they they discover that the pilots are the goals, the like the ending of uh, the Eva uh, project seems to be the uh, goals of the intruders. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Asuka would be is only safe or is safest rather piloting her Eva rather than being hidden away somewhere. Right. Um, and Shinji is being a little. A little fuckboy crybaby, and a returning uh, theme. Yeah, and uh, Ray is nowhere to be to be found. Yeah, uh, yeah. Shinji is like hiding under a stairwell or something. Yeah, whenever these events are taking place, because he has basically resigned himself to sit and die rather than uh, fight, because he believes that anything that he does will be a mistake, and that uh, 
the only thing that he deserves or is capable of is dying a coward's death. Yeah, so then um <coughs> then our two or two of our three like perspective characters have a have a conversation um about basically how this is uh, a false flag. Yeah. They they uncover the fact that uh, funding for their defense budget has been severely uh, decreased uh, right before they were attacked, and that that is inherently suspicious, um, which uh, we see for a fact is certainly uh, the case uh, due to uh, uh, Gendo's admission later on that he you know yeah, uh, sold out the the uh, nerve uh, complex for the sake of getting the Human Instrumentality Project to uh, fruition. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, the basically SEAL is uh, encroaching in this like highly militarized uh, 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 assault on the nerve center, uh, you know, using up to thermonuclear devices to try and penetrate the absurd uh, defenses of uh, nerve. Um, so we basically have this like this organization eating itself. It's kind of this Ouroboros effect of the secret um, intention of the facility and its uh, more um, uh, obtuse, obvious claims of def- defense of humanity. Uh, sort of like eating itself in this in this uh, this this conflict, um, but yes, these seal uh, soldiers are continuing to encroach upon Nerve and are getting deeper and deeper into the facility. Eventually, they uh, uh, Asuka is allowed into her Eva, and uh, uh, Shinji is confronted by some soldiers who are about to shoot him in the head whenever Misato approaches and kills the shit out of them. And then tries to talk some sense into uh, Shinji. Um, did I skip over anything? Um, I don't. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then. So. Masudo um, finds Shinji and rescues him, and is trying to psych him up to do anything at all. Um, yeah. And. And I was looking through the script. I can't find the exact line, but she basically says this absolute baller of a line. To paraphrase, paraphrase live your life standing up and then you can die. Yeah. Like, uh, she basically lays it out that he has two choices here. He can either run away and try to survive that way, or he can f- stay and fight. And that th- th- to just sit here and to accept a fate that he has prescribed himself is not a choice at all that he must he must engage with his life he must actually make a step forward even though his position is intractable and shinji resists this um and thinks that anything that he does will just cause pain and suffering and that any sacrifice made to support him or defend him will ultimately be in vain um up until the point where uh, Masato desperately trying to defend him so that he can pilot his Eva and uh, maybe get him into safety, uh, is shot. And instead of seeing Masato's 
a sacrifice for what it is and making good on her contributions uh, to his his betterment, he instead uses this these feelings of of guilt to uh, you know self flagellate as we have known him to do. Right. Um, Masato basically promises him that she'll fuck him if he <laughs> goes into the yeah. Eva and gives him his first kiss, um, leaving a trace of blood on his cheek, which he notices in the elevator. Uh, as he's descending, Masato's body is unceremoniously absolutely destroyed by an explosion. Um, but even without knowing that, Shinji is already committed to uh, his feelings of, of guilt and self-criticism when he notices that some of her blood has remained on his cheek from uh, the kiss that they shared. Yeah. So while all this is going on, uh, Asuka wakes up in her in her Eva, uh, only to be immediately bombarded. Um, and is... Uh, it's, it's clinging to life, and I lo- love the juxtaposition between our these two characters. Yes. Uh, between Shinji and Asuka. Um, her resilience and resistance and just ref- refusal to go to go down like her her internal strength um yeah her 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 conflict that she has while she's like resting in the fetal position after you know being in a coma for however long since her last conflict right her internal mantra is i don't want to die yeah which is just leaps and bounds it's a simple concept and it's a universal one that right. we should share but like as the film outright states later on, humanity is the only thing capable of hating itself. Yeah. The uh, Shinji is so despondent and so incapable of seeing a way out of this that he retreats into himself. Whereas Asuka, feeling uh, herself to be in mortal danger, instead wants to move through her her conflict. She wants to she wants to fight back. She sees that that is the only choice to be made. And so she immediately uh, wakes up out of her her coma, being like actively bombed, and decides that she's going to fight. Which, by the way, she is being assaulted by uh, uh, a new enemy for the the series. Um, the Evas have to be piloted by uh, someone who is either like a blood relative of uh, a person who sacrificed themselves within. Uh, to create one of the Evas uh, and to, to give it like a, a consciousness uh, and something that can recognize them as part of itself. Uh, so like Shinji's mom is the uh, sort of soul behind uh, both prototype. I think I think she's also behind uh, number zero, but uh, that could just be Ray, like the first iteration of Ray. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, 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 yeah, prototype one is... Uh, is Shinji's mom, and then I believe that Prototype 2 is some relative of Asuka, but I can't remember exactly. Well, we haven't, they haven't, I forget who she's fighting here, but we haven't got the new, like, the white. Oh, they, they haven't come yet? No. Oh, she's just being bombarded. She, yeah, she's destroying uh, military technology. Yeah. 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 She's, she's, just, she's just, yeah, fucking shit yeah. up that's being used to, to destroy or attempt to kill uh, Nerve. Yeah, after she after she kicks some ass, then the new 
Eva's drop, and yes. uh, and they are piloted by uh, these dummy uh, uh, tubes that the uh, other Evas are typically piloting within the, or the other pilots are typically using within the Evas. Right. Um, and Asuka yeah. takes them um, on all by, all by herself. Yeah, in one of the most striking uh, action sequences of the of the film. Uh, yeah, Asuka is in this brutal conflict with these um, uh, these dummy piloted uh, Evas, and she does you know she's she's basically insane at this point, just completely yeah. motivated by her desire to survive. She's right. like smashing their heads with her hand. She's ripping them apart at the spine. And I I think that 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 is like the core of the differentiation between them. Is that, um, like Shinji is so, I driven doesn't seem like the right word or motivated, but like by his own sense of self to to an extreme hyper individualistic degree that yeah. he cannot like perceive a connection to other people and can and is his own worst enemy that he is like incapable of losing himself in yeah in whereas Asuka like her her sense of self is secondary in this moment particularly to her own survival yeah like she is just subsumed her identity and her like rational attachment to reality yeah she doesn't care if she dies she wants to survive so badly right yeah it's it's an it's an inherent contradiction but it's a one that i think we can all uh uh you sort of uh reflect on in times of great strife like yeah the the person that wants to survive the most is the one fighting hardest and putting themselves in the most danger right you know because they're trying to preserve something. They're trying to, to either keep their family alive and preserve uh, a sliver of themselves that way, or if they're the only one in danger, then it's the same concept. They're trying to preserve some, some you know, entity that, you know, is separate from the self, even when it is, like, your physical embodiment. Right. You know, like, the, the, the self has completely dissolved, as you say, in this effort to... Uh, you know, preserve the physical body. Right. And Asuka is so determined to survive at just the base level that she is willing to sacrifice her capital S self. Yes, sacrifice her her, her life. Right. It, like, it means more for her to survive and win the combat than it does for her to live. Right. Um, to maintain her continuity of, of self and rational perception of herself. And absolutely. Shinji is not capable of that. Yeah. To Shinji, an extreme degree where yeah. he cannot, like I said, perceive other people other people yeah um it's the narcissism of self-loathing yeah 100 yeah, percent. Uh, shinji believes that he is uniquely unsuited for his life right he believes that he is uh defined in his uh his inability to to live the life that he imagines for himself which was never an option for him and it is it is sad it is inherently tragic that shinji is like forced into this horrible like again intractable position where 
his only choices to make are to run or to fight. Right. You know, uh, so he may, he's again is incapable of making that decision. I mean, it's it's very refreshing to see the Oscar scenes where she's completely unburdened by that level of conflict. Right. She is therefore like a uh, sort of a dark mirror to Shinji's, uh, uh, you know, his 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 issues. Um. So the next note that I have written down is shut the entire fuck up, Shinji. It's yeah. not the time. <laughs> and yeah. it's at this point that uh, we hit on this before uh, where Masada or he Shinji makes it to first base with a promise of a home run if he doesn't yeah. die. But Masato, then yeah. Masato dies. Yeah. <laughs> Which honestly, Masato, one of the most hardcore fucking like G's in this whole thing because mm-hmm. she takes her last moment to lie to a child about fucking them as a reward right just because she thinks that that is the most like the best chess move to play in this scenario yeah. she sees her life as already forfeit because she's dying from a gunshot wound so she's like how can i instill th- hope in this completely fucking like hopeless scenario how can i make this happen and uh misato is also one of the few characters who is uh, high up in the ranks in nerve who isn't um completely aware of what the human instrumentality project is right um in fact it's a big like uh point in the narrative that uh her like lover basically is trying to uncover the secrets of of nerve and and seal um and is kind of using her as a pawn. She she gets honey potted mm-hmm. in uh in in the series. In uh yeah she she goes out like a fucking like like a badass. So um, all this is going on. Oscar's still still kicking ass. Mm. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Ka- so Kagi tries to take the Magi down with her, but uh, and she confronts um Gendo. Yeah, Gendo and and Ray. Well, and there, but <laughs> yeah, and basically the Magi, which is her mother, turns on her. Yes, and chooses uh, yeah. Kendo, Kenzo, Kenjo, Gendo with a Gendo, G. Gendo. Yeah. Okay, yeah. it's like um, <laughs> it basically chooses her her fuck boy over her daughter. Which, yeah, which really, I think that what she's choosing is to not let her daughter commit this murder, or to let her daughter. Uh, uh, commit this murder and to end the human instrumentality project. Right. Which uh, Akagi still isn't 100% on the content of it. Mm-hmm. She is just like fundamentally opposed to this idea. Like she's she's very like uh, she's very in- individualistic in her sense of identity mm-hmm. and, and these things and she you know is, is trying desperately to to have this like scientific approach to a very um uh non-literal conflict that's happening you know like right. a, she's she's trying to wrest some some kind of uh uh she's trying to make it into math you know she's trying to turn right. this 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 uh conflict into an equation and I think her mother sees the folly in that and uh, instead doesn't allow her to, uh, you know, go forward with her, her plans of sabotage, um, which she put in place whenever she was defending Nerve from the uh, cyber attack that they were just... Uh, uh, um, <coughs> so, so... I 
so there is, um, like, an inherent with all all media. Really, it's it's virtually inescapable. But there is an inherent like liberalism to the perspective of the piece that there is only like there's only this dichotomy of the individual self versus the collective mm. hive mind yeah. that is but i think also, it's seeing those in like religious terms whereas like oh, we sh- have a we have a tendency to to read that in like materialist terms where right. we're thinking about like what to do with resources do we do we face it towards the individual or towards the collective good do we yeah. allow like these decisions to be well, made for i'm i'm trying to look at it in the like abstracted spiritual theodical terms that yeah. they're looking at it in but the like um there is some like there's a lot of end of history shit going on here yeah like some fukuyama type type yeah. nonsense um, but like it, I think the flaw in it is that it presents the um uh, like the col- the collective as being aware of itself individually, and so it is like a regrettable, like like there is like it doesn't present the the ending of everything meshed together as being a positive outcome it feels so reg- yeah. regrettable so that that's the that's the i think the the tone shift made in like the uh uh as a response to the critique of the end of of uh of the series mm-hmm. um because in the series this is seen as like an unquestioned good at the very end like okay. it is like uh, obtuse in its positivity. In right. This, this note where Shinji accepts the loss of him himself by accepting that he wanted to live his life as it is. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like whenever they return to this like miasma that we see as this orange juice, that's how it's physically re- yeah. re- represented. Um, we see that as liberatory. We see that as the end of all of these, like, again, like narcissistic notions of self loathing right. become impossible when Shinji is just part of a whole experience of right. of humanity that is you know it's incapable of witnessing as him as having a lack in comparison because there's no separation there. yeah which the for the rest of the characters in this that is conspicuously what is happening that's why uh uh we see uh i think there's like uh, with ritsuko uh akagi her uh her she she is shot you know by gendo and yeah. falls into the into the goop right mm-hmm. but we see the sh- the final shot of where she was it shows her like lab coat and her like bloody clothing of uh, resting atop the pool of of the miasma so mm-hmm. she returns to the human instrumentality project the same as the rest of them right so she ultimately gets the same sense of liberation as everyone else. It's just that her path to it was through conflict. And, uh, like, we also see that uh, the rest of, like, particularly the perspective characters are, like, visited by images of the other characters that sort of, like, guide them into uh, uh, 
the the you know the bliss of oneness. Right. It's kind of like that is heaven. That's trying them yeah. trying to create heaven on earth. Right. Um, and it's the only escape in this scenario because the earth has been damned by just the the conflicts that yeah. have 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 you know rendered it asunder. So, what do you? N- not being a fourteen-year-old who is only invested <laughs> in in pew pew big robot fights, um, <laughs> what do you think is the more effective end of the story, the film or the end of the series? I think that as a resp- like a dialogue, I think End of Evangelion has something more to say because it's inherently reactive to. Uh, it's it, it has to be more prescient because it's reacting to a response to itself. Right. You know, it's 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 sort of completing this this circle of of uh, contradiction and and uh, uh, critique. So if the if the show's finale is a, is the thesis and the response is the antithesis, then this, end is yeah. the synthesis of yes. those. I, I would say that that's that's exactly you know in a in a dialectical yeah, yeah framework that's that's how I would see it. I would say that the the end of the series I think is like the way I think about it actually ending right like the way I think about the way that this narrative exists in my mind mm-hmm. it's like that and then I see this at for what it is like the actual like synthesis of these two like you know alternate points right. Um, where, you know, like if I was just going to like sit down and watch Evangelion, I probably wouldn't put the movie on. Right. You, you know, wouldn't prob- skip the would, last two. You just and I would just go just through the series again. Right. Because um, it, it, it has a lot to do other than just state its point. It, right. Yeah. It's and it's so beautiful and it's like animation mm-hmm. and it's uh, just, you know, world building and the unraveling of like several different mysteries that it's just it's utterly compelling. I, I w- never like watch watch the series, but I saw it like I think it was on a Adult Swim or Toonami or whatever it was so. on. Like when I was like nine or ten, so it totally went over my head. But yeah. I can remember it being like just right beautiful to watch. That that's a big thing about about this like series because like I remember feeling this sensation about anime, like it being this like. Uh, completely alien format that I had no way of interpreting, and I didn't like it that much yeah, as same. a kid, right? Because I I felt this sense of unease. I remember seeing like Dot Hack and being like, "This yeah. is way over my fucking head," right? You know, and which right. now that's kind of a, a a mundane concept, or at least it's it's so like there's 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 so much of it that like each individual part you have to just think about it as its own because it's like kingdom hearts. If you're trying to think about the whole thing as a whole, it's just very confusing and convoluted. Um, whereas Evangelion is confusing and convoluted, but it's about a very limited series of people and concepts. Right. Uh, really we can see everything. And that's why we wanted to talk about this for Valentine's day in particular is that everything in, especially in the series is distilled down to, the internal conflicts and uh, relationships between characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, what What's important about Shinji is how he's like reacting to the world and the people in it and sort of the opportunities and uh, conflicts that they present to him. Um, it's also conspicuous too that like Shinji we're supposed to see as like an audience character. And I think in in the final 
uh, sort of act of this, we'll talk about like the critique that they're making. But Shinji is, we're supposed to see his like interactions with the women in his life as reflective of the experience of, uh, you know, Japanese uh, youth and just youth in general, right. uh, uh, you know, men uh, who are trying to like uh, create a narrative for themselves in a world that's like pretty. Uh, ambivalent towards them or uh is like you know providing them again with a uh, an intractable scenario that they didn't ask for right shinji's thesis about like how he feels about the world is like i didn't ask for this yeah. like i i made no uh uh choice in this matter which kind of reminds me have you ever seen a serious man i don't think so it's a coen brothers movie okay. it's uh basically about this this guy who uh <laughs> Uh, it's, it's a very, it's basically the story of Job. Uh, okay. Yeah. But told in like a, uh, from the perspective of like a late fifties, early sixties, uh, uh, Jewish man and uh, his, his interaction with these three rabbis. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, he, at one point he's like, uh, he's on the phone with a, uh, like a record service mm-hmm. where they like, they used to do this thing where they would like send out these, these feelers. And if you just did nothing, then they would send you records. Yeah. And so, like, he was like, no, I don't want, I don't want this thing. I didn't do anything to ask for it. And they're just like, well, no, but you, you didn't full fill out the uh, cancel <laughs> form. Right. So we're going to have to send it for to you anyway. And he's like, no, but I didn't, I didn't ask for this. And conspicuously, it's the album. Uh, I think it's a, uh, uh, it might be a uh, Jefferson Airplane or Jefferson Starship album, but it's the one that's named after, like, the concept of like all the connected gods, like mm-hmm. a, like all gods is a concept, and so he's like, no, I didn't ask for th- for this, and it's just like you didn't have to. It's here, like it just it, you don't you don't get it. That's not a part of it. You don't get to ask what your reality is. Yeah. You know, you, you it just is a thing that happens to you, and then you're like have to make decisions based on that. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, Shinji is incapable of of accepting that, and he thinks that it's. He'll just take his ball and go home if he has to, if he has to make a, a a decision from two bad variables. Right. So, uh, so Osaka has been fighting off these. Um, what are the white evas called? Do you remember? I, th- I know they just call them evas. Yeah. Like, there is. A word, I don't remember what it is. Yeah. I I've been thinking of them as doves. No. Yeah, well, okay, so we'll we'll call them that for for uh, simplicity's sake. Uh, she's killed eight of nine of them. Uh, there's one more to go, but her uh, her mech gets stabbed in the in the yeah. face. She had also already lost her umbil- umbilical cord, mm-hmm. which is what powers the, the Evas. They they uh, start to run on their own if they are uh, lose power, mm-hmm. or they just completely shut down. So yeah, it's uh, uh, and then all the the Evas get back up and they attack her like goddamn vultures. Like it is visceral, it is heart wrenching, and she's fighting for her life. Um, and yeah, we should note here that um, anything that is felt by the body of the Eva is also felt by the pilot. Yeah, they're connected through their nervous systems. So Asuka essentially feels the her being eaten to death um, yeah. and probably dies of shock. Right. Um, 
And Shinji finally gets in his goddamn suit, which basically concludes um, part one of of this piece. Yeah, Shinji is uh, finally makes it to his Eva and finds that it has been gooped, um, which uh, if you've ever opened a guitar pedal and found <laughs> that you were incapable of doing any modifications to it due to some goop, then you'll understand his, his level of uh, sadness here. <laughs> but, you know, he just decides to sit and, uh, and stew about it. Uh, but then the Eva breaks itself free because uh, uh, Shinji's mother uh, within it, uh, who, who throughout the series has been, like, taking control of the, of the Eva whenever mm-hmm. Shinji fucks up too bad to get himself out of a shitty scenario. Um, but that happens a lot. Yeah, it does. It happens from the first episode on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he he, f- he fucks up and fails his first mission and is about to die, and then the Eva starts to pilot itself. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, so he yeah, he's like, Mom, and whenever <laughs> <laughs> the giant purple mech breaks out of the red goo, <laughs> right. it's just as silly that that like, works and is like a narrative beat that can be understood. Yeah. <laughs> And so we uh, we come to the second part of the of the piece. Um, we finally meet up with Ray. Um, yes, her who is in a, a dialogue with with Shinji's dad. Uh, Ray's arm falls off. Uh, Gendo gets to second base with Ray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is another one of those like. Uh, it is entirely, it's almost like a ballet. It's a little bit of a, just like a, uh, uh, it's a, it's a scene entirely defined by its physical interactions mm-hmm. uh, where like uh, Ray is, she's, she's coming apart, right? She's, uh, she's, she's uh, becoming unconstitutional. She's, she's, she's dissolving. Um, and is that what, Sorry to interrupt, but is that what happens with the like the previous rays? Like, they're unable to maintain their form, or is it just like no? It's that, she, yeah, di- she dies in conflict or whatever, and they just goop we'll out just another one. Of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, Ray R- is she's a like a horribly tragic uh, person who uh, has very few connections to the material world, um, mainly through Gendo, is she experienced any kind of, like, validity or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And in many ways, this is, like, uh, a source of, uh, of uh, jealousy from Shinji, who mm-hmm. sees that, uh, you know, he's been abandoned by his father throughout his entire life, um, it, with Gendo's uh, justification for that being that he believes that he will be a, a negative effect on Shinji the same way that Shinji projects his feelings of self-loathing onto the people in his life. Gendo has done that to his son mm-hmm. and instead uses Rei as sort of the uh, his means of manipulating the world. She's like his hands. He's uh, he He knows that he has a competent Eva pilot in her that can fight off the the angels until the human instrumentality project can finally be uh, uh, resurrected. And he, you know, sees Shinji as basically a, you know, a pawn in, in that uh, dichotomy as well mm-hmm. in that, uh, in that conflict. Um, so when he reaches out to, to Ray, he, he, he does so after she, you know, loses her, her arm and conspicuously touches her breast. Like he's, he's like, <sighs> 
confronting her her uh like sexuality for one but also her like inherent female nature mm-hmm. um and tries to you know reach in, uh, into like where her uterus would be right um uh to to uh grasp and uh, by the way the uh, the reason that she has unconstituted is because of her uh current lack of what has been called an AT field an anti or an absolute terror field yeah um throughout the series uh which is sort of like um it's like it's like key from Dragon Ball or uh it's like the aura from Ruby it's yeah. like a protective yes it's like this yeah non uh, uh, like it's not a visible force, but it is this this very tangible thing that allows the angels to be immune to like t- typical terrestrial weapons, uh, made by humans, and um, is also what allows the Evas to fight against the angels. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, every every being apparently has uh, an uh, AT field in in Evangelion, um, but just some creatures are inherently stronger than others. Right. Um, and so uh, it's the thing that also holds your form together. It keeps you as an individual person. It is right. the thing that is ultimately attempting to be destroyed by the Human Instrumentality Project. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ray is already starting to lose hers. That's why she her arm falls off. It's why her skin becomes permeable. And it's, right. It's what, uh, yeah... It's what uh, Gendo is sort of. It's why he's able to like, sort of like surface hand through her uh, her body. Yeah. Um. But she, in realization that uh, Shinji is in trouble, the only person she's ever had a meaningful connection with. Mm-hmm. Um, Poor girl. I know, right? <laughs> Talk about tragedy. Like <laughs> Shinji is like just happens to be the first person that. Uh, cared for her as an individual, mm-hmm. and then she has this conflict whenever she is reborn and has the memories of this previous iteration of her being connected with Shinji. She kind of has this existential crisis where she's finally got some like some like grist in this world, and she just through the function of how she exists knows that she will like die and lose all this and doesn't feel the like. Uh, inherent connection that she feels like she should to someone like that because she knows that inevitably this version of her will die and be replaced. Right. Um, so would you say that like Ray is the only person that Shinji feels a genuine connection towards or would you even say that for on Shinji's side of it, it's still compromised in the way that or maybe in a different way that his connection or aspiration to connection with Asuka or Masado is. Yeah, I think I think Shinji's feelings towards Rei are complicated by by the jealousy that we mentioned previous, right. but also by the fact that Rei is one of the few people that can sympathize with his position in the world. Yeah. She basically interacts with an estranged father figure the same the way that Shinji does, mm-hmm. a little more closely and with a little bit more of support from Gendo. Right. Um but she is completely alien from everyone else in life. She has no other like she has no other friends. She has no other like reason to be alive mm-hmm. other than to pilot her Eva. So right. she's kind of like a dark reflection of what Shinji worries about himself. Right. That he is an alien, that he is like completely separate from humanity, and the only value that he can bring is by piloting a mech that he doesn't want to do. To his, uh, 
hypersolipsistic perception of the world and to and of himself ray is a like manifestation of what he fears yes. himself to be absolutely i think yeah and uh, ray is also uh pretty uh uh strangely she is the far and away um favorite cast member favorite uh character in the in the series mm-hmm. now to my understanding I think it's because she says almost nothing, and she's naked a lot of the time. <laughs> like that's one hundred percent it. I, yeah, I yep. honestly think that like that is what they latch onto. So for her to be this like this this deeply uh, uh, what's what's the word like investing any kind of like emotional uh, weight into her her person is a little bit of a lost cause. She's basically just this, like... uh, The way that they refer to her often is, like, the pleasure principle. Mm -hmm. She is just... Good God. I mean, (laughs) not not in the series, but, like... Oh, okay. In, like, in, uh, like, critical terms. Right. She is the the thing that is supposed to be there to, like, give Shinji solace. Like, she's the, like, the the thing that he he projects onto Asuka. Like, Mm. he, he wants... The sexual relationship with basically everyone around him. Right. The way that many young men do. Yeah. But, like, never can, like, conceptualize what that actually means or, like, what the consequences of that would be, what kind of sacrifices would be mm-hmm. necessary. Um, and so in doing that to Ray, he kind of is, like, inventing her personality as he interacts with her. And it's this, this like, she's, 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 a, she's a blank slate. You know, right. she's... She is. Uh, she eventually becomes like the Lilith figure, as we see in the, like, mm-hmm. her metamorphosis. But like, she, uh, you know, she is just there to, honestly, like, uh, uh, be at the behest of the desires of all of these like shitty men around her. Uh, it's it's fascinating, um, like on a psychological level that she is so beloved especially when you consider from the angle of Shinji being uh an audience insert in the most like base level like just this is like not uh not like um uh, an aspirational but like this is who you really are like for yeah. t- like teenage boys like in a postmodern uh end of history framework like this is who you really are and like so for the audiences who who is shinji like or like the target audience is shinji to have the same relationship to ray that shinji does in the show it reveals like the underlying truth and almost a satirical in the sense of not satirical humor but in the um like exaggeration of truth mm-hmm. that makes the truth more uh yeah. more prevalent yeah um you have you have no choice other than to like confront the like uh the way you're interacting with a piece of media whenever you see this this reflection of of Shinji's projection onto all of these characters around him right you you 
you're almost like forced to see how you are like stepping into that dichotomy. You have to like be aware of your your sort of space or your your position in this this whole this whole diagram. And yeah, uh, Ray is cool. Like she does have she does have like some some like redeeming qualities and like she is sort of a blank slate and like it doesn't have a ton of like personality traits mm-hmm. but she is very capable she's like uh she's honest she's uh she's always willing to to do what what is asked of her right. which is some kind of uh you know it can be a a, a uh, virtue yeah but you know it's just that she is sort of not there it's the fact that she is is just this like ghost right that Shinji feels obligated to project onto mm-hmm. that, that. Yeah, it, it's it is it is tragic. Uh, so Shinji gets taken into custody. Way to go, dumbass. Uh, the Evas do uh <laughs> some Kabbalah shit. They do the like they form the tree of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, and uh, and then Ray grows her arm back. Good for her. Yeah, um, and she also in that moment uh, when she re- retrieves her uh, her a- AT field yeah. to to defend Shinji, she also removes the hand from Gendo. So it's this kind of like visual metaphor where not only does she regain her agency, but she also takes away the uh, like material connection that Gendo has to the world. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, just some interesting like some uh, interplay there. And in the same way that uh, uh, Akagi was uh, uh, condemned by her mother to be killed by Gendo, now uh, Rei has condemned Gendo to save Shinji. Mm-hmm. So it's like this this little uh, uh, almost Macbeth-like uh, generational uh, uh, transition here between of power. So... Ray enters Adam mm-hmm. uh, and falls off the cross. Giant naked Ray. Uh, and then we have uh, a, a long and uh, el- elaborate and abstract, even in terms of this film, yeah. abstract uh, memory sequence or dream dream slash memory sequence yeah. from, from Shinji. Um, so... Let's uh, let's explore that a little bit. We start with like memories of his or dreams of his of his childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, uh, there's a, a playground with mm-hmm. a little sandbox and a swing set, and uh, Shinji is playing with two young uh, women of the same age, two young kids. Yeah, who I I think are supposed to represent Ray and Asuka. Mm-hmm. And uh, as they're they're playing, they're, uh, uh, Shinji is building a uh, sandcastle uh, in the shape of the nerve facility. Um, uh, as the uh, light starts to uh, wane from the setting sun, uh, Asuka and Ray's uh, parent figures sort of away them into into the darkness, so that Shinji is left alone, and um, he is. Then uh, he's ritually building and destroying the nerve facility as the the light uh, dwindles, um, and it's kind of like Shinji. I think is supposed to represent not only himself and his past, but also just the desperate pleas of humanity in its uh, 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 solitude and um, 
uh, a need to like ritually continue the uh, acts of, of uh, like ritual life um, uh, in order to preserve itself, uh, which will ultimately end whenever the light it is is no longer present for mm-hmm. Shindy to be able to either build or destroy the nerve facility. So it's like this sort of uh, meditation on the futility that Shinji and humanity are feeling in their last moments and the uh, sort of um, the the ending of, of this process of, of ritual reconstitution that uh, humanity has, has been tasked with. And, um, and so after that, but still within Shinji's mind, we basically get... Uh, a a dialogue between him and his mental construct of mm-hmm. Asuka, uh, ba- basically about about sex, but mm-hmm. in a uh, like a spiritualized um, framing of it. It's not really at no point does it ever like perceive or portray the act of sex in like animalistic uh desirable terms but it's all yeah. in metaphor of connection like they are having this this dialogue about whether it is um like a pure form of human connection versus just individual pursuit of satisfaction mm-hmm. through someone else yeah which is i i think at the at the heart of the yeah. conflict here or the and uh yeah uh uh, uh hideaki ano i uh, actually spoke about this scene saying that like it was a an argument that he had with himself like it was a internal sort of conflict that he had with his his feelings of connectedness towards people that like he uh saw this these these conflicting feelings within himself whenever he was experiencing like sexual pleasure that like he felt feelings of like disgust and also uh like his own personal exigence from from being with and slash using another person for their own pleasure and again this is like kind of reflective of the way that shinji has seen all of the people in his life he's because he has walled himself away he's given himself the only opportunity to interact with other people as using them as again like a pleasure principle that mm-hmm. is like a a thing that he can dump his emotional needs into and his his desires as opposed to something that he can interact with as like a part of himself right he has to experience everyone else as an other as opposed to allowing them into and and accepting his vulnerability in in the scenarios, he can never admit that he has sexual feelings toward Asuka, even when she directly confronts him with it. Right. He can never admit it about uh, Masato or Ray or any of these other beautiful women that he's surrounded with, mm-hmm. because he is yeah he's too f- afraid of giving up that security and also that uh, that sort of yeah again narcissistic and solipsistic uh, perspective on the world. Right. Um, and then Ray just starts making people spontaneously combust and it just starts getting more and more, uh, abstracted as everything kind of just dissolves into the miasma. So yeah, Ray, um, 
uh, re- uh, joins with Adam. So like the Lilith figure yeah. and uh, is is constituted out of Ray's uh, uh, marriage with with the Adam, who is uh, coming down off the cross and is now uh, able to actually conduct the Human Instrumentality Project. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Ray uh, kind of appears as a spirit to the rest of like the living people that are, are remain. Right. And I think it's, it's whoever can recognize her as like sort of the physical embodiment of the human instrumentality project, mm-hmm. uh, is then like you welcomed into the like oneness of heaven on earth by her presence. Um, but other people who don't have that perspective on her are connected to by people that they hold closely in their memory or that they love or are attracted to. Like, yeah. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of different strange interactions happening with these like floating ghost rays and uh, Akagi appears to one of our perspective characters mm-hmm. uh, and uh, basically makes out with her until she becomes juice. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, the conflict that um, uh, that Shinji is having within his mind during this uh, is with with Asuka uh, is uh, sort of uh, it comes to a head with Shinji finally being backed into a corner being given no other option than to uh, accept that he is um, you know despite his protests and his his constant uh, reaffirmation that he hasn't made any of these decisions that have caused any of this that he is actually taking a part in his life and is making a decision to be a worthless asshole by not engaging with the material of his life. So Asuka forces him to confront this and being incapable of, of living in through this contradiction and making a choice that Masato and uh, Shinji's father and Asuka most recently have presented him with, he reacts violently. He has to, instead of opening up and allowing Asuka to be a part of himself, he sees her as as an uh, an other to the point where he feels like he has to kill her. Yeah. That she exists as a threat to him now. Um, it's so It's so pathetic. And it is so, I think, such a pointed uh, criticism of the, like, feelings of young men towards people that they can't... Uh, control in their lives right. to people that to, to the the problem that the uh you know uh like vagaries of human interaction uh present to uh to people who are you know being like told in one uh, hand the way shinji is by his father that like they are uh, responsible for like the future right and that you're also powerless to escape these scenarios to right. escape the scenario so like he, he just has to lash out and try to kill the thing that is forcing him to see himself truly. Yeah. And I think it is poignant that um uh, that Asuka who you know in our um in our modern market driven individualized world the only the only place the only sector of society where we are allowed and encouraged to make those um those existential connections with someone t- to 
subsume your identity into a shared connection is uh, domestically. You yeah. know, like it's the only place that you are allowed to have that. Yeah. And that is the, that is the window into seeing yourself as being more than just your individual self yeah. and your your ego driven separate self from everything. It's the only place that you are allowed and encouraged to have that connection. And so for Shinji to violently resist that mm-hmm. from from Asuka, who should be his m- mirror and his doorway into like being able to perceive himself as part of something as connected to other people yeah. is very telling yeah. of um also the set piece there is like one of the most mundane things in the entire movie it's mm-hmm. the it's Masato's apartment where they had like previously lived together right uh Shinji Asuka and Masato all have to share that apartment so that they can like maintain themselves as a, as a unit right hopefully so that they'll build a relationship and support themselves each other but that's not what happens right the <laughs> yeah and sh- and notably there's a um a French press full of coffee on the table mm-hmm. that uh, is knocked over throughout the course of their argument and Shinji falls into and burns himself with. Uh, it's I think that symbolism is supposed to be like the uh, sort of... Coffee, I think, is supposed to represent like... Uh, a human interaction and like a subtext of sexual tension because mm. like at the end of a date you'll be like do you want to come up for a, a, some coffee yeah. or something like that's a that's sort of a tacit in invitation to an intimate sexual encounter well there and not even I'm sure that's there but not even just on a sexual level but uh, coffee represents um or is like short maturity sh- in some way too. Yeah, it's, it's shorthand for mature human interaction. Whereas, like, um, it's just pre- on the it's a pretext to to talk with somebody. Let's go get a cup of coffee. Exactly. Let's, yeah. Like, uh, there is a like a hedonistic value to like going for drinks or something. There mm-hmm. is a like a pursuit of not even necessarily s- sexual pleasure, but just like hedonistic pleasure and gratification of going to get a beer or something like that. Whereas coffee, there's none of that. It's just intellectual connection with with somebody. Yeah. And for like you to have like to wake up in the morning and share a pot of coffee with somebody is almost as intimate and a like connective act as having sex with them. Yeah, for sure. Like and it's also something that is supposed to prepare you and give you energy for, but it's destroyed throughout this this conversation because of Shinji's inability to be aware of his surroundings, right. which is like a, a separate critique, and his inability to uh, uh, to face Asuka. He's backed up by her, even though she's just speaking with him. So, so does it represent his like his failure? Because I think it's almost in a w- weird way, intimate at a deeper level, like representatively intimate at a deeper level than than sex, especially in the terms of this film, yeah, because it doesn't like it doesn't bring the the pleasure principle into it at all. Yes, exactly. He's not he to share a cup of coffee with somebody. You don't have to take anything from him. Exactly. The way that it is perceived that you're like stealing some kind of their like uh, uh, 
physical like essence. They're organ, yeah. Yeah. They're yeah, <laughs> they're vital juices. Right. So like so the the spilling of the of the coffee represents his failure and inability to see Ostica as anything more than a repository for his own pleasure yeah. and his own failure to acknowledge that and per- and perceive that. Yeah. It's like he's he's not aware of where it is in space, so he knocks it over. Right. In you know, it's the same way he isn't aware of where his ability to like have an intimate connection with other people is right. in the room with this other person. Now, that scene could have been what it was in the series, uh, basically, which it doesn't happen in as clear terms, but uh Shinji sees like a window into uh uh what his life could have been mm-hmm. in one of the like dream sequences in the 25th episode um, where it's basically, it just becomes a high school anime for like part of an episode. Right. And like he's friends with Asuka and Ray. He's like hopeful about their future together. There's like this kind of like cute, like sexual tension that you have in those like mm-hmm. school animes. Yeah. And it's just like, he is, that is like what his life would be if he was fundamentally able to accept himself and allow for Asuka and Ray to have the like foothold into his life that they should by rights. Right. Um, yeah, it's just a, it's just a, she's right there. She's always right there for him. And she's not a pleasant person. She's not a, like, she's very insulting of Shinji, but you can tell that like she cares and she like is very vulnerable with him. And in some like moments, she's like, she even like comes on to him a couple times mm-hmm. because despite you know them being like having all these emotional issues and shit, they're still both like teenagers who live together. Right? <laughs> like they, yeah. They, there's probably some part of them that wants to fuck. You know. Oh, for sure. And uh, uh, yeah, it's just it it could never be because Shinji is is and Asuka has her own problems too. She's very like she's got this like brutalist sort of uh, relationship towards the world. We we saw it as in its positive lights earlier with her like inability to accept defeat and that she wanted to survive at all costs. But she's also foolhardy and brash, and she like will put herself in danger maybe more than she needs to right. just to sort of have this this sensation of having done the right thing or mm-hmm. that she can't be she can't have the same criticism that would be leveled against Shinji right. towards her. Um, so, uh, yeah. She's she's got like a prodigy sort of complex, right? So, um, I was actually like, I was actually talking about the like the the end of the piece when um, when Shinji and Asuka's forms uh, like interact with each other at mm-hmm. the at the very end, but. I think that the dream mirrors that, like the yeah. his, his like dream of choking her mirrors that end. But let's get to yeah. that that end piece and Shinji's. While every everything is being absorbed into the miasma and the human instrumentality project, let's get into like yeah. Shinji's experience of yeah. of that. Shinji is basically like going through his mind's like greatest hits of like <laughs> how he feels about the people in his life. Right. And uh he eventually comes to which I think is the most tragic conclusion you possibly could in this like 
should I should I accept myself as just a a part of a greater whole and be accepted into like heaven for all eternity and lose my my like uh my my uh feelings of self-loathing and and self-hatred but also lose my like internal defenses and my sense of of self and my ability to like make myself uh you know an isolated uh but therefore defended like castle in in the universe right or you know you do yeah and he make he makes that decision he decides that he's going to wall himself off that he wants to experience the feelings of meeting other people he wants to see he wants to have the reflective experience of being validated by an external source mm-hmm. so that he can see himself as an individual a, a valuable thing as opposed to seeing himself as a part of the inherent value of all life and just existence right so he condemns himself and Asuka to continuing to live in the material world and basically forcing themselves to be like the Adam and Eve figure of this already damned mm-hmm. terrestrial uh, life. And I think that's what I was getting at before with the like inherent liberal perspective of it. And it's not, it's very obscure w- if the piece itself is uh condemning of this or not. I would say it probably is. Yeah. But it is uh in a very Japanese and abstract way it is the Tony Soprano death. Yeah. Right? Like it 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 is that innate fear that we have of uh of, of the liberal subject has of the discontinuation of themselves as a separate thing. Mm-hmm. They cannot um, imagine themselves as being as returning to the father in yeah. like ecclesiastical terms yeah. or the positive like aspect of that. It is terrifying to imagine themselves as not existing as a separate thing. So even yeah. someone as individually miserable and disconnected from anything as Shinji is incapable. And as I said, it's still more terrifying for him to lose his sense of self than it is for him to torture himself with it. Exactly. And, and as I said, it is viscerally represented in him choking the life out of what ought to be his like doorway into connection, just like the most simple human connection of and of of shared love with with somebody that he pursues with with Asuka he violently resists that and tries to choke her to death until she um shows him just a basic level of affection mm-hmm. that stills his hand for a for a moment and yeah and fills her with disgust. Yeah, yeah. So let's uh, let's get in- into that a little, a little bit. So yeah, the so that that uh, scene uh, in doing some research for this, I saw that that scene was uh, uh, sort of a uh, recap encapsulation of an experience that uh, a friend of one of the animators had, mm-hmm. where she was uh, being attacked by a man who was choking the life out of her, the same way Shinji does to Asuka, um, but instead she says, uh, uh, 
uh, she caresses his face and gets her to to you know let him go the same way it happens in mm-hmm. the movie. But she says, uh, uh, "Oh, what was it? Oh, I just couldn't stand the idea of being killed by someone like you." Yeah, and which is like it is uh, utterly filled with contempt and disgust. Um, and we were discussing whether or not that would actually work better in in the film itself, uh, just unedited. But um, it is less ambiguous and and strong for for that uh, for that idea. But I think that Asuka's disgust is not only for uh, Shinji in that moment; it's also for herself mm-hmm. in her um, sort of capitulation to Shinji's desperate attack on her. Right. That she. You know, he finally got what he was asking for for from her. Right. You know, like since the beginning of the film, he was like desperately pleading to like get some sort of solace out of her unconscious form. Right. And now as he's trying to kill her again, he still has that same desperate need that he's trying to uh, receive this validation from. And uh, she gives it to him and then is like utterly disgusted with him and herself. Uh, and for that to be like the 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 f- first foot forward for a new humanity yeah is horrifying <laughs> like yeah that, for sure like imagine adam and eve the story of adam and eve but they fucking hate each other <laughs> right. like that is so bleak <laughs> like damn uh but yeah uh in in many ways like the discovery of like the knowledge of heaven and earth is what has like condemned both Shinji and Asuka and mm-hmm. humanity at large. Um, because we, we see uh, humanity as uh, in explicit terms, humanity is just another one of these like aliens that we are calling angels mm-hmm. in, uh, in the terms of the show. Um, humanity is just another form that the sort of divine being is taken and it struggles with the other forms of itself the same way that they are they do in, in trying to destroy humanity. Right. Um, what humanity has going for it, though, is that it is a reflection, the most pure reflection of what is supposed to be the creator. Um, and uh, in creating the Human Instrumentality Project, what Gendo is trying to do is eliminate the need for humanity as well as death and god mm-hmm. it is the unification of all of the material of the divine being and humanity uh into yeah again like this miasma it's vi- visually represented again as orange juice <laughs> which i you know uh, i think that there is some symbolism going on with that in comparison to the, the coffee that we saw in that scene right i think the like orange juice is supposed to be like it's fruit juice for one, mm-hmm. like you know the fruit of forbidden fruit. The, right. The, like, but it's also got that like morning aspect to it too. Right. Like, you drink OJ in the morning so that you are you know reasonably uh, protected from disease and are given like sugar and energy. Right. Um, and I think that like it is it is vitalizing. It's acidic. It's uh, it's you got all these these properties that could have some some uh, some metaphoric weight to them. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that like ultimately in this last moment, we are just, uh, struck with the tragedy of Shinji's again, inability to accept himself as a part of a whole. And very conspicuously in this last sort of montage, we see 
images of the real world. We see like yeah. after the um, sort of the, the the fantasy has diluted after Ray's body has been uncon like unconstituted by mm. the actions of Shinji and just the the project in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we see that like. Uh, the only thing that left to do for the audience is to be abs- observe themselves, is to see like the the way that they are are, are taking in. Like we see shots of a a, a theater, we right. see like the audience of a theater, yeah, and just like again mundane like shots of the real world, right? That are kind of it's it's forcing the audience to break down their separation between. Uh, the material of the show and themselves and see that like this is a pointed critique at you like right. you are like you watching this are could be uh, manifesting the mistake that Shinji has made in mm-hmm. this in this final moments um, and I find that to be like I do always love it when art is like trying to make some commentary about the way that we uh view it or how it was created i think that's like the essential difference between like you were talking about miyazaki earlier saying that like miyazaki a lot of his like uh his his uh sort of like uh twin-headed approach is thinking about like the way that craft interacts with art and Mm -hmm. like uh statements on the creation of art can be the like structure and uh uh, sort of like plot elements of a story, right? In addition to just like the uh, the beauty and the the like the actual like where the rubber meets the road in terms of like how the animation is done, what yeah. what is like evocative about the the form of it. Um, uh, I would say that this uh, critique that that they're making is uh, uh, it's about the way that that art is viewed, and therefore it's the the op. It's like the again the mirror of that mm-hmm. sort of perspective. It's the uh, the effect that the the piece of art has on its audience is as much a reflection of uh, the audience as it is the the person that made the statements. It shouldn't be it shouldn't be viewed as escapism in a uh, a in a tokenist yeah. sense, but in a in a in a critical. Yeah. lens like it is and of its of its audience like it is like i said it is satirical in a fashion of like of hyper accentuating truths to make them inescapably yeah apparent yeah uh and yeah like like tolkien would say that the value of fiction and fantasy is that it allows you to like elevate beyond your circumstances and like you know he was a person who lived through world war one and like has plenty of reason to like find a place in his mind where things are like beautiful and adventurous and right and things like that and sort of like escape through that like escaping a prison as opposed to the escapism that uh evangelion is critical of its audience for having which is an escape from the actual content of their lives. Yeah. The same way that Shinji isn't trying to escape in a, like, he's not trying to escape uh, from his torture through um, his imagination and through, like, trying to conceive of a new reality. Right. He is trying to escape from the actual, literal, like, terms of his existence. And, And I think that, like, just the material 
difference of those two worlds, like of of Tolkien's world versus this and like the like the real real yeah. world that this is based in. We are constantly inundated with with escapism. We are not our like our apocalyptic scenario is largely abstracted from us, at least yeah. in the core, which Japan is a part of. And so I think art, I, I think that there is, if it's going to mean anything, and there's per, certainly value to just pure escapism in art. That is v- not v- vital, but it's relevant. But if it's going to mean something, I think it needs to peer, pierce beyond the veil and yeah. critique its audience because its audience is not being critiqued or challenged by the material world in the same way that oh, yeah. Tolkien's world would yeah. have been. Tolkien's world, you know, Tolkien, Tolkien's like imagined audience are people that like him uh, had to like face reality with no questions asked. Right. Like the the position that they're in, like is is they're they're all in in the evas. You know, they're they're being like you know marched into to machine gun fire and, right. and gassed and all this shit you know like he i think he if he wasn't at the battle of the marne he was at the first battle of ypres i think i can't remember but remember. anyway he was he was in a huge battle i think um and uh you know that that is juxtaposed with sort of the emptiness of the, like again the fucking the new beginning gospel the end of the right. of the 20th century uh just providing a you know a whole new context for what escapism means, and I still think that there is a value in escaping the prison of the mundane experience, but in doing so, you should be trying to create a connection with with humanity mm-hmm. as opposed to trying to isolate and create like a uh, you know uh, a tower that uh, by the way. Um, we should we should eventually do something about the dark tower, okay. as, uh, just as a thought, uh, right? Because that hits on these themes too. I'm now realizing we've got some real like comparative uh, intrigue between these two stories. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, the this this I think that the at the center of this story is just this desperate plea for. Uh, like uh, Hideaki wanted in himself. He wanted to feel this, and he desperately wanted his audience to be able to witness this. And when he found that they couldn't, it was heartbreaking. Right. And so he felt that he needed to say it again, but with just more, more blood and fury. Yeah. And uh, it's that you, you have no choice in the circumstances of your birth are the only fundamental choice that you can make in life is whether or not you're going to be a part of the narrative that plays out right and if you can't make that decision then you've made no then you've still made a decision and and i the last thing that i want to say is i i find the inherent condemnation at the heart of this uh of this piece very gripping because you know the the show seems to p- present uh Hideaki what's his name Hideakiano Hideakiano um uh, present his like 
his aspirational perception is that the Shinjis of the world can overcome and can find their solace and connection. But the audience rejected that. Yeah. So he gave them what they wanted, which was Shinji, even if they didn't consciously want that, what they what they subconsciously wanted below the level of like, oh, there weren't enough fights and it was too abstract or whatever. That refusal yeah. to be uh, to be reconnected and to be reconciled to God and to yeah. each other. Yeah. Like in that, that I think is the strongest thing about it in the form that it exists as his response to the response of the, of the ending. Yeah. Um, is the audience because we are all uh, fourteen-year-old boys in nineteen ninety-seven? Yeah, right. Like we, that's we've hit like uh, like that as much as we all talk shit about it and realize that it was a flawed critique or a flawed analysis. The end of history put a like a psychological stain on right. the experience of adolescence. I think yeah, that has persisted to this day. Like there is no frontier. There's no. There's no adventure to be had, right. even if all those things were being sold on like pretty shitty terms at the behest of like capital owners or you right. know monarchy or feudalism or the structure in place at the time that people were being sold on that. The like the the absence of that and the the structure of capital as the only motivating factor means that there is no adventure in life. Right. There is only the uh, pursuit of again solipsistic consumption right you know there is no there is no future there is no um there is no frontier to be pursued and so in ourselves there is no growth there is like there is no actual maturity of humanity at the individual level or of the collective level like i said we are all at our like deep core of our like our our platonic self is a 15 year old boy in 1997 who's only like it's pleading with the rest of the world help me like yeah give give me something right to 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 like live with and can only see the other as fully separate and as a uh repository for our pleasure that we cannot connect to yeah yeah and the only way out is to accept the other is to allow the other within yourself right and and to dissolve those those boundaries those boundaries yeah yeah um and that's the that's the thing that which might be the final problem of humanity it's certainly the yeah no absolutely we see through like the the economic uh, struggles, uh, yeah. like at the foundation of all of our like international like global politics and shit, it's this conflict between okay, do we like fucking take all of this like nascent natural material and do we allow it for like the exigence of the pure individual will, or is it a shared project? It, it, is, it, it is the rot that is imposed on humanity by. Uh, Calvin and Magellan and yeah. like and that has been eating at the bones of humanity for the last 400 years and now there is no more mask to put it on because it could always be obscure, obscured by the frontier by yeah. being able to 
move away from the core of the rot. The yeoman fantasy. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Um, always being able to just move away from the core of the rot and just keep on its perif- peripheral. But now there is nothing because the entire world is consumed yeah. in that. And so there's only the disintegration of humanity. Um, and again, like it is very telling that the audience rejected the only way out of that and required this piece, which gives probably, if you want to be fatalistic and pessimistic about it, the, like, and without any kind of change to our, uh, to our approach and our sense of self and a, a true o- awakening uh, on a like spiritual level, the actual end that we are approaching for for humanity, yeah, or at least as it like as it exists, the apocalypse that we're that we're facing. Now, I'm not uh, I'm not pessimistic. I I am like you know ap- apocalypse also is seen as the end of the world or whatever, but it means an unveiling. And I think that the end of the world for one person is another person's birthday. You know, like yeah. it is, there's always we think a about renewal. This, yeah. We think about it in the terms of the end of humanity, but people will survive. Right. Like there will be small pockets of humanity that survive and become what humanity is. Right. And, and have a chance to do, different. to do better. If, yeah. even if not like, better in like completely like you know because that would require like comparative elements to like it'll just be a new thing like that that process of genesis is unending it is like this we think about creation as like the start point and then the the undoing of things as like the end but it's you know again the cycle that we see repeated and conspicuously there is still hope even in the uh, this very bleak ending because there is still a man and a woman who are capable of right. uh, you know they're children but right, they're yeah. they're capable of of creating a new humanity right like it is possible for things to get better well getting back to like to to Tolkien like it, it you see it in his work uh, people living through apocalyptic moments like World War One or World War Two or the Thirty Years War or Civil War or all these like nexus points of of human history saw it. You see, like I said, you see it in Tolkien's writing. You see it as the end of the world. And yeah. for the people that didn't make it to the other side of that, they were correct. Yeah. Like that was the end of the world as they could perceive it. But we just see it as it just gets absorbed into like this uh like our historical narrative like mm-hmm. it just gets absorbed as just these like these uh f- these flashpoints of yeah. of human history and and I, I i think i find what hope i can find in knowing that um that that persists but it requires and it is a constant struggle but it requires being able to let go of yourself because you might not see that you might only see the uh the destruction that is required the clearing of the brush yeah that is required for that 
for that new beginning yeah. to happen. But it is going to it is going to happen and will continue to happen as long as life ex- exists. And that is like, uh, and that's the I think the most true hope to to cling to and um what what Shinji as our as the representative um and avatar of the liberal self at the end of history is incapable of of seeing yeah he he can't countenance a world where things don't begin and end at his feet yeah but yeah, so I mean that's that's really all I have to to say about it. Do you have any closing remarks? Uh just that if there's one thing that you take away from this, it should be that the only the only thing that can define you is your interactions with other beings. Right. Even if, if uh, whatever that means to you. The external world is the only thing that provides you a context for your existence. Mm-hmm. You can choose to accept it and become vulnerable to it and allow it to to exist within you, or you can build up walls and, you know, live a life of solitude and emptiness. Right. 100%. So drink your juice. Don't <laughs> get scurvy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> happy Valentine's Day. Yeah. <laughs> Stay loved, and uh, we'll see you on the next one. Yeah, again, accept the people around you. Happy Valentine's Day. (laughs) Bye.